Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, how's everybody doing? We're all awake? I love it. Hey, great to see you guys. You know, Courtney mentioned free food, and in Cal- that would have just had me right there. Like, I don't know what your college experience was, but for me, it was oatmeal every morning, like every morning, because it was cheap. Sometimes it was with water. Sometimes I had milk, and that was when it was good. And then lunch, like I had a job at a hotel, and they had a, uh, like a food court thing, and so I would like work my hours to be there during lunch so I could eat. And then dinner, I'm like, you can't send me home yet because I have to eat dinner and it's not for an hour. I'm like, I can't clock out yet. I'm like, please. And as I would work with so that I, like, I had to pay for breakfast and I would have lunch and dinner at work. Like free food, like you just, you just had me at food. And if it was like regular free food that I could schedule in, I would be there. Like it's just done. Like that's all it took at all. Okay, so now that we're done with food, I'm kind of hungry. Um, I did want to give you guys an update. We, we told you guys a couple weeks ago how we heard about some, some people who were helping the Christians in Afghanistan get out um, and, and get them someplace safe. And some were staying, but some were like, we need to get out of here. We want to get out of here. And it's, it's been going on. Um, and there's, there's still a lot going on. You don't find it in the news uh, but we got some word from, from this organization, which we don't give details, because if somebody was to find them, this wouldn't work anymore. Uh, but they said that this week, um, the persecution is still going on. Um, a one, one woman in particular, uh, she had her kids, she put her daughter in school, and they found out that her daughter had been in school, and so she was taken out, and, and she was shot. So it's it's, it's not good, and they're like, we're going to keep doing this for as long as we can. On Wednesday, they took out 236 um, Christ- Christians from Afghanistan said, hey, we want out of here. Now, some of them, it's, it's a husband that's a Christian, and the, the wife isn't. And, and so on Wednesday, they were coming, coming out, and uh, they go through some mountains, and there was a small earthquake that hit while they were coming out. And they said... It was big enough that some, it, it, it knocked some stuff loose in the mountains and whatnot. They said, we were okay. They said, but we came around the corner. And when we came around the corner, the earthquake had lodged, unlodged some stones. They had come down, and we looked around the corner, and there were some Taliban underneath rocks around the corner from right where we were that we were about to walk in. And they're like, your prayers are working. They're like, thank you so much. Um, one, of the, one of the wives that was in that group, they see that, they get out, she sees that, sees what God does, she gives her heart to God, she had a growth on her back, the growth falls out, falls off, so God is just moving, um, let's just give him a hand for what he's doing, and, and so we're just, we're just excited, we're going to keep, keep, they said we're going to keep going as long as we can, and as long as there are people who are like, hey, help, help us get out of here, they're like, it's not a good situation. So thank you guys for, for making that possible and being a part of that. Wanted to give you guys an update on that. And we're talking, and we've been looking at Galatians, just taking some time to get through here. Um, we're going to wrap out three, get into Galatians chapter four today. And we're going through here, 
And Galatians was written by a man named Paul, authored by God. That's what the Bible is. The Bible is authored by many different authors over a thousand years. But however, God is the one that told them what to write. So we say, it's written by man, authored by God. When they're told, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they write it down. Well, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote Galatians. It was written to a church, the Galatians, in Galatia. Yep, yep, it's, it's, it's that easy. It's just... That's, that's just what it is. And it's written to this church, and he's talking about what's going on, and we're going through this verse by verse, and just really just looking at how it applies to us today. And last week, we looked at Abraham, and he brought up Abraham. One of the big things that we took out, one of our big takeaways last week is why Father Abraham is considered the father of our faith, and the promise that God made to Abraham, and how, how that relates to you and me, and what what that means. So we're going to keep going. We're going to pick up from there, and we're going to start in Galatians 3. If you have your Bibles, turn there. I'm reading from the NIV, but read from whatever translation you've got there. And some of you are noticing that my NIV doesn't match your NIV. Okay, I'm reading from NIV 1984. There was a newer translation that came out in 2011, and if you're like, why is his NIV different? That's why. Um, in 2011, they made it more inclusive, uh, with some of the language, and I just prefer the older one. I, I really do, so I'm reading from that one. So if you're like, why is this different? That's the reason why. Here we go. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. Talk about what baptism is. Verse 28. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, nor is there male or female. If you are, you are all one in Christ Jesus. He's like, this is for everyone. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. We talked about what that means, the promise that applies to us, and heirs according to the promise. And that's how they really end out chapter 3, talking about, and we spent so much time on that promise last week. He says, you're heirs according to that, that that's for you and that's for me. And now we jump right into Galatians 4. He says, what am I saying is that as long as an heir is a child, he's no different from a slave, Although he owns the whole estate, he's subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. I don't know if you have a will or not. I hope you do. If you have kids, have a will. If something does happen, have it taken care of. I, remember, I was at home one day, and um, man, I think I was home visiting from college. And my dad came in, and he goes, you're going to have a little sister. And I was like, what's going on? And he goes, um, Mark and Tammy, uh, they were in Alaska. He goes, Mark and Tammy were in a plane. We don't know what happened. It was a small plane. He goes, but they just flew right into the side of a mountain. He's like, they're gone. He's like, and he asked us years ago, and we said yes, that if something was to ever happen to them, he's like, that, that we're going to be the ones. He's like, so I don't know when, I don't know what. He's like, but you're going to have two more sisters. And we're like, okay. Um, but they never put it in writing. They, they never put it down. And, and to make a long story short, some of the family thought there might be money in it and if they had the kids, and it just, it just turned ugly. And I love that he's talking about here, about just some things. He's like, you understand that in the natural, you have to take care of things. He says, in the natural, you have a will and that an heir does not get, although they own everything, there's others that are controlling it for them. There's trustees in this. And although we are people of faith, and I am a man of faith, I also believe that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a sound mind. And it's, 
So yes, I have a will. It's filled out. It's like this, it needs to be updated, but it's filled out and we're going to say, okay, this is what it needs to be. And he addresses those things. And he doesn't call them like, oh, you're not a person of faith because you have this. No, that, that, that's not what he says. You need to have one. Take care of things. And then he's using this to clearly portray a picture of what happened spiritually. Verse 3, so also when children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of a son. He's like, okay, but Jesus came so that we could receive those full rights. There was a time where they were not available, but because Jesus came, they are. And we're going to look at three things that he says there. That God sent his son, that he was born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who are under the law. So why is that important? Number one, born of a woman. Now this is more important, this is, this is super, super important. And why is this so important? Well, because in Genesis, when we look at God created the whole world, he made Adam and Eve, and it says this in Genesis chapter one, and it says this, and God said, let us make man in our image after our own likeness and let them have dominion. Some of your translations will say authority over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that is on the earth. God gave dominion, authority, to man, to Adam, in the garden. And then Adam screwed it up. We all know we're all going to ask him when we get to heaven, what were you thinking? We all know he screwed it up. But what happened when he screwed up? What happened there? In Romans, it says this. It says, do you not know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you're slave to the one that you obey? And here's what it's talking about. It's saying this. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, obeyed the serpent, and ate the fruit, they gave dominion, their authority, to the devil. Adam was there. Eve's being tempted, and then she turns and gives the fruit. The picture that I see when I read that is Adam's like, I don't know about this, and he's just watching. And then nothing happens when she eats, and she's like, oh, he's like, okay, and he takes a bite. Like, Adam sees this all happening. And that authority that God gave to man, Adam and Eve gave to the devil. And you might say, that's kind of like a little... How sure are you? Why? Why? Well, another place that we see this play out is in Luke chapter 4, when the devil is actually tempting Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, verse 5, it says that the devil led him to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, and said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. This is the devil talking. He says, it's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, the devil says, it will be yours. Is it really a temptation if it's not real? No. Jesus' response to this isn't, that's a bunch of lies, forget it. No, Jesus says, no, it is written, you'll worship the Lord your God and you will serve him only. He doesn't say, oh, you're lying. He doesn't say, oh, that's not true, my heavenly father. No, no, no. That was real. Satan had that authority. He says, I can give it to anybody I wish. 
There's a reason that Jesus had to come born of a woman under the law so that he could break free those who were under the law. Jesus had to come in a flesh and blood body. It's a big deal. As we read in scripture, maybe you've read this before in the gospels where Jesus comes up and there's multiple accounts where Jesus comes on the scene of somebody who's demon possessed or somebody who has a demon that influenced by one. And that person will say, why are you here, son of God? We know who you are. And over and over, we see this in scripture where different people say this because they're demon possessed. Now, are they trying to help Jesus out? Like, hey, everybody, here he is, savior of the world. No, they're really not. You want to know what they're doing? They're saying, you don't have a right to be here. Because God does not change his mind. He's never changed his mind once. He's never been surprised. God gave authority to man. Man gave it to the devil, and God knew how to get it back. He wasn't going to just suddenly show up and be like, okay, I'm going to destroy everything. No, he did not. He says, I have a plan on how to give it back, and my son is going to do it. He's going to be born of a woman under law. He's going to live a sinless life, yet he's going to suffer and die, and in that, he's going to defeat death, and he's going to take back the authority that Adam and Eve gave the devil in the garden. The authority that the devil had when Jesus is stepping on this earth and he's like, hey, what are you doing? All this is mine. I can give it to whomever I want. I'll give it to you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus is like, no. Jesus is like, no. And that's how the devil does it. See, God knew what to do and the very thing that God said, I'm going to do through you, Jesus, you're gonna, I'm gonna give you all this authority, just here's what you're gonna do, you're gonna go to the cross and you're gonna die. The devil says, I can give it to you another way, just follow me, just worship me. And that's what the devil always wants to do. He wants to tell you, oh, there's another way to get it. Oh, that's okay, oh no, you don't have to be honest in your business. You don't need to do this, you don't need to forgive. There's another way, that's all he wants to do. That's all he wants to do. So this is what Jesus did. He came in a flesh and blood body. So that in that body, he could do what none of us were able to do, which is to live that sinless life, to take back, to say, I don't deserve the death that I'm getting. Because death entered the world with sin. So Jesus was able to do that, to be the perfect sacrifice, to break the yoke, to break it off. Hebrews 2.14 says this, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. This is the devil. He had that power. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. We don't have to be afraid of it anymore. So Jesus came in a flesh and blood body. It's super important. The next thing it says in, is this. He came to redeem those who live in a flesh and blood body. And that's you and that's me. He came to redeem those who still live in a flesh and blood body. You are a spirit. You're going to live forever. You don't need a fountain of youth. You're going to live forever. It's just a matter of where, smoking or not. Like when you die, it's not over. You are living forever. You're living forever. So what does that look like? You are a, you are a spirit. You live in a body and you have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. We find that in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive 
and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to even soul, spirit, joint, and marrow. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8 says, Yes, we are fully confident, and we'd rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. The real you is inside that body. When that body wears out, when you die, you leave the, your body. The real you leaves. Now, why is that so important? Because Galatians 4, 5 said this. He came to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Redemption, salvation is available to you and to me while we live in this flesh and blood body. It is not available afterwards. So why? Because Romans 7.1 says this, Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives? It's only as long as that person lives. When you die, when your spirit leaves your body, you are no longer under that law, and you're no longer, redemption is for those who are under the law. Salvation is for those who are under the law, to be set free from it. You can be set free from it while you're under it, but once you are out, there is no redemption, there is no forgiveness. There's no, there's no, well, I'll go to hell for a little bit, and I know people who teach it. Well, hell, hell is, it's redemptive, and, and after a while, after all the wrong things have been paid for, well, then, then you get to go to heaven. No. Jesus' sacrifice is only available while we're in under the law. And we're un only under the law as long as we live. When we die, that's no longer the case. You will leave your body. Now when Jesus comes back, your body will be resurrected. Jesus' body was resurrected. At one point he's resurrected, he shows himself to his followers, to his disciples. And they come near him and he says, don't touch me for I've not ascended to the Father. Another time he comes back and he says, touch me, put your hands in the nail holes. He tells Thomas, touch me. Don't know exactly what happened, but once he'd been to the Father, he says, okay, now you can touch me. His body was different. We will get resurrected bodies. Yes, absolutely. But salvation is available for you and I, while we live in a body because we're under that law. Once it's over, when we die, we're no longer under that law and salvation is no longer available. That's, that is why we want to tell as many people as possible about Jesus because the time to do it is now because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And because when we die, it's decided. That's why I love missions and missionaries and outreach and telling people. And Oh, absolutely. Let's talk in a grocery store and anywhere else. I don't, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about this. Because this is it. This is the time that we get. It's available to us now. It's not available later. So we're going to do this while we still can. And we're going to go to verse 6. It says this. Because you are sons... God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, that the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you're no longer slaves, but a son. And since you are a son, God's also an heir. We are an heir. You know, I've, I've got my dad, and he's a lot of fun. Um, I'm his son. 
So really, he's got a lot of stuff. But really, I just tell him it's mine. I'm like, hey, it might be yours, but it's mine. And he just laughs, and he's like, yeah, kind of. And, and I go over to their house, and I let myself in when they're not there. And I, Molly goes out, and she was hunting in the back, and I dropped her off. When I come up, and I unlock the house, they weren't there. So I, I open it all up. I'm like, if you need anything, just go on in the house, because it's, it's Dad's house, and that's okay, and that's like it's ours, and you, you, can, you can go on in. And, and I knock, because it's an empty nest now. So I knock, but other than that, you know, it's... I, I, I just, I make myself at home, and if I need something, I just kind of take it and say, hey, by the way, um, I took, you're, you're out of V8 again. I took the last banana. My dad hates that. But I'm like, I took the last banana. He's my dad. I can do that. It's like, hey, I stop in unannounced, and they're like, hi, it's so good to see you. And they're like, we wish we were there, and we're not, and because he's my dad. And the picture that is painted for you and I is that God is our Father. He sees us as sons and daughters. And I don't know what your relationship with your parents was, but Jesus told a story because he wanted it to be so clear. It's the story of a prodigal son. The story of a son who tells his dad, I wish you were dead, you're not. Give me my share of the inheritance, I want to leave. He takes it, he goes. He wastes it all, makes a big, huge mess of it. A famine's hitting, he doesn't have any food. He's, he's working with pigs for a Jew. There's no worse job, there's nothing worse. There's nothing below, this is below the bottom of bottom of bottom. He, he's hit the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the bottom, 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 bottom pit. Like he's, he's, he's working with pigs and, and he's longing to eat their food. And Jesus says this, he says, and finally he comes to his senses and he says, are not the slaves, the workers in my father's home treated better than this? I'll go back and say, make me one of them because I'm not worthy to be your son. And he goes back. But the Bible says while he was still a long way off, the father was waiting for him, looking for him. And then Jesus says this, that the father ran to him. And you and I, okay, he ran. But for a Jewish man to run, that was out of the ordinary. That, that isn't something that would be done. That wasn't proper. That wasn't something to do. But he lays aside everything. He runs to him. The son repents and says, make me like one of your servants. And the father says, no, you're my son. And he puts a ring on his hand. And at that time, that ring, that was a sign of authority. That you're, you're standing with me is back. The family ring, you have it. The authority, you have it. The robe, I give it to you. And he celebrates his return. He paints this picture so clearly. Now, maybe you had a father that you're like, I know what that's like. To be like, I need to, I run to, if I have an issue, I can go to them. They understand. They're, maybe you didn't. Maybe for you, you're like, no way, it was abusive, it was bad. Maybe you're like, I don't know because I don't even have, I, I never had one, I don't even, that, that's totally foreign to me. There wasn't a father figure in my life ever. The picture that's painted, when we see this and he says that we're made sons, is that our heavenly father wants us back so much. That the mess that we make it's not too much. It's never too bad. 
He's always looking. He's waiting for them to return. He's always waiting. So don't just read over this and say, well, we're sons and we're heirs. Understand that that's our Father's heart towards each of us and towards all of those that are lost. Towards everyone that's lost is he wants them to come home. The Bible says there's more rejoicing over one that comes to Christ than over the thousand that didn't need repentance. The party in heaven is thrown when the one returns. Our hearts, we need to have the Father's heart for the lost, for the needy. We need to have the Father's heart for the lost. And we might look and see some that say they don't look very lost because they have their needs met. But the number one need that everybody has is Jesus. And if that need is not met, they are incredibly lost. And unfortunately, they're not promised tomorrow. And so we need to take advantage of the time we have today. We need the Father's heart for the lost. I have kids. Man, there's nothing that I wouldn't do. There is nothing that I wouldn't do. My girls aren't old enough to date. As soon as they are, I will go to jail instantly for them. Yeah, like any guy that comes, I want to say, I'll go to jail happily. Like, you don't touch it. Like, no. no problem. I'll do anything. There's nothing I wouldn't do to protect to, for my kids. Absolutely nothing. And that's what our father, when he tells the story of the prodigal son, it's that he turns, he slaps his father, he insults him. The father would have had to sell. I mean, think of this. It, was, it wasn't like he just had cash just sitting. He says, I want my portion. So if the father says yes, he's got to be like, okay, everybody, I'm having an auction at my place. Come buy some cow. Why? My son is leaving. He wants his portion. He doesn't want to wait for me to die. Here's what we're doing. This was public. People know what goes on, but the father's like, I don't care. I want him back. And he celebrates his return. That's the picture that we have. We need to have God's heart for the lost. Verse 8 says, Formerly, you did not know God. You were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to the weak, miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved in them over and over again? Are you observing special days and months and seasons and years? I fear you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. And I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done nothing. You've, he says, you have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I preached the gospel to you. Now, this, is a, this hits a little bit different. Last week, we talked about the promise. The promise that's available to us. We talked about resist the devil and he will flee. The promise, we need to know what that promise is and we need to stand on it. And now here we have Paul and he's writing and he says this. He says, I came to you because of an illness. Now, I, I read about the promise and that promise that we read about that was found in Genesis 12, the promise that God made to Abraham that you and I are in heirs of. Genesis 12, verse 1 says, the Lord said to Abraham, go from here to your country, leave your father's house, to the land I will show you. 
and I will make you, and this is what he says, he says, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's a portion of it, and then it continues in Deuteronomy. We have that blessing, and then sometimes we can read that and we can think, okay, if that is what God has promised for me, then why am I experiencing this bad? Why is this happening? What, why do I have sickness? Why am I still fighting this? What's going on? Why, why, what is this? Why did they hurt me? Why did God allow them to do this to me? They said, it, it was nothing of my own. What happened here? Why? And it can almost seem like there's not even room, that there's not room for anything but sunshine. And you're like, well, then what's wrong? What's wrong with me? Why am I going through this? And Paul says, I came to you because of an illness. In Acts, Paul's writing, and he says this as well. He says, and now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, and I don't know what awaits me, ready? Except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Like, that sounds so exciting. Like, jail and suffering, yay. No. Jesus tells his disciples in John 16, verse 32. He says, I've told you, I would go to verse 33, actually. He says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many troubles and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And here's what I want to say. God's word is true. James 5, 16 says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I believe it with all of my heart. And I've prayed for people and I've seen, I've seen people get healed. I've prayed for people, felt absolutely nothing, and hours later they called and they said they canceled the surgery, the cancer's gone. And I've prayed for people and they died. Anybody want me to pray for you? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But here's, here's what I do know. I'm not going to let go of what I know because of what I don't understand. And I know that God's word is true, and I'm going to stand on it. And I'm going to resist the devil every way that I know how. And when I don't know what to do, I do everything that I know to do. And that, that can be dangerous, but that's what I'm going to do. Like, yeah, I'm going to stand on God's word. I'm going to cross every T. I'm going to dot every I. I'm going to do it. But God, I know you're faithful, and I'm, if you don't, I'm not going to. I don't know why things don't happen the way that I think that they should or I believe that they should, but God, I'm going to trust you. I don't have all of those answers. I've got questions for God in heaven. I do. What is this? And but I'm not going to let go of what I don't know, of what I do know, because of something that I don't understand. I'm slightly mechanical. Like, I can fix some things and move and some engines and stuff and cars. And I, I, I can do some stuff. But I can drive real well. But there's a lot I don't understand about it. But I don't let what I don't understand stop me from taking advantage of the automobile. I'm not going to let go of it. And there's so many things that I don't understand. And let me just say this. 
If, there's some, if you're in question, say, God, well, why didn't you? And you didn't come through in this, and your word says, let me just say, I don't know why. I don't have that answer. But don't let go of what you know is true because of something you don't understand. I look around at creation. I'm sitting in my tree stand like, if deer don't come, that's okay. This is just gorgeous. I'm looking at everything that God created. And I'm like, it's created. This is all too great. This, is, this was not an accident. No one would look at something as simple as a car or as complex as a computer and say, well, that just showed up out of nowhere. Boom, it was just there. Woohoo! We look at it and we know that there was a design, that there was a maker, somebody put it together. Your body, my body, this world, somebody put it together. I believe it was God. I believe every word that the Bible says. And yeah, there's things I don't understand, but I refuse to let go of the things I know that I'm forgiven, that I'm set free. What he's done for me in my heart and in my life because of the things that I don't understand. And God, I choose to believe that your word is true every day. I fall, I make mistakes, but I thank you that you're my heavenly father who wants me back and wants to not just bring me back and punish me, but put me right where I belong, where I don't even deserve to be. He says, you're my son. I want to give you that authority. I want to put the cloak on you. Let's throw a party. You've returned. That's his heart for you and for me. That's his heart for your neighbor, for your coworker, for that family member that you're praying for, for that person that you think is so lost. You're like, I don't know. Don't stop praying for him. Keep encouraging them. Because God wants them. He's that heavenly father just waiting, looking for when they return. And don't let go of the things you know because of the things you don't understand. You bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here today or maybe you're online, but you don't know where you stand with God, here's what he is. He's your heavenly father. He's waiting and he's looking for you. Maybe you've thought that you needed to clean yourself up first. Well, I'll need to stop this and quit this and, and then I'll give my life to him. No, he's waiting for you. And he wants you back. Well, what about he knows about it and he wants you back? He's waiting for you. So no matter where you are, just run to him and all that we have to do. Romans says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we can be saved. If we say, God, I will accept what you did for me. He'll wash us clean, make us new, and we can begin to walk the life that he made for you and me. So if that's you, and you say, today I'm giving my life to him, or you say, today I'm coming back because I've just been living my own way, I've turned my back on him, but today I come back. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. And when we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk out the plan and purpose that he has for you, because he does. Jeremiah 29, 11, out of the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So if that's you, at the count of three, you're going to lift your hand. You're saying to God and to me, say, God, I want what you have for me. Forgive me. In this room or online, wherever you are, get ready. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift it up now and say, today is my day. I'm going to give my life to him. All right, go ahead and put those hands down. And let's pray 
online, all of you, let's just all pray this out loud together with those that lifted their hands. And as you pray, as you say these words, those of you that lifted your hands, you say them from your heart, make them your own. Let's pray together now. Say, God, forgive me and make me new. I believe you sent your son to die for me, that he shed his blood in my place. And today, I ask you, forgive me and make me new. I'm yours. With all that I am, I choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.